Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. David Wardy coming at you, and I'm with uh, my main man, Dr. Nick. How are you, man? Good to see you again, buddy. I'm doing well. Thank you. And today is a really exciting for us. We have uh, one of our mentors here. This is a very special person to both me and Nick. We've learned boatloads of stuff from this from this individual that has really helped us just become better doctors, better human beings, better individuals, and just all around just helping us help more people on a daily basis. And I can't say enough good things about this guy. We're going to get him on right now to talk. Um, but I just want to share a quick experience of mine. Uh, my, my journey with my wife and her autoimmune actually led me, uh, to today's guest and the answers that he had for me played a vital role in her healing and our ability to get her well. So I can't thank him enough for what he's bringing to the world and what he's doing, uh, his, his mission and, and everything that he brings and the energy and the hard work that he puts behind it. Cause this guy's a machine. I mean, he, I don't know how he does it. I watch what he does and, and the volume at which he handles stuff, and it's just fun to watch. But we have Dr. Daniel Pompa on with us today, and we are pretty pumped, huh, Nick? Oh, so pumped. And everything you said is absolutely true. Uh, you know, and I, I had the privilege of getting to speak with uh, Dan on Cellular Healing TV not too long ago. And, right. and it's, you know, being able to speak to your mentor and, and colleague and, and friend uh, is, is a joy. And, and it's been, you know, it's been three years for us both, right, David, that we yeah. got a chance to work with that, Dan. And so, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So it's awesome to be here with you too. So Dan, you've you've had a, a very familiar and very resonating story for so many of our, our patients, and uh, not everybody knows your story, believe it or not. But um, we'd love to hear like why detox, why is this so important now? Uh, and if you can, we'll just give you the mic. You you uh, yeah. you speak so eloquently on it. Yeah, no, look, it got my life back, right? And um, pain to purpose is my story. You know, I I didn't choose this. I always say it chose me you know, to uh, bring out uh, what the world needs. I, you know, so many people don't feel well. Um, just simple, uh, loss of energy, brain fog, hormone disruption, can't lose weight anymore, it's a new epidemic. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to take hormones, figure it out. Uh, gut problems, how many are trying to figure that out? When really, it's an upstream issue of some type of neurotoxin. You know, we, um, one thing you know when I teach, right? If something is still remaining upstream, causative-wise, you may feel a little better, but you're not going to get well-lasting. And, you know, my story was that. I, I couldn't find out what was wrong. Uh, you know, I was trying to fix my adrenals, which were fried. I couldn't adapt to any stress. I, you know, my thyroid was shot, but yet I would test my blood work, and it was normal, but my hair's falling out, right? I'm getting skinny fat. I mean, all these bizarre hormonal changes, can't sleep at night, insomnia, panic attacks, you know, anxiety, uh, horrible existence, and couldn't figure it out. Uh, at a certain point, I thought, maybe they're right. I, maybe it's, I'm crazy. Maybe it's in my head, right? Uh, as it turned out, it was in my head, but it was silver fillings <laughs> that have 50% mercury and literally was just bioaccumulating 
most of my life in my brain. You know, I mean, I had other stressors and it was a perfect storm. I had, I was wearing contact lenses in the, you know, 70s, 80s, early 90s. It had mercury in the saline solution. I was putting it right in my eyes. So how many of us did that? And, you know, other, other sources as well, uh, you know, plus, you know, we were in a moldy home at one time, right? It's always a perfect storm. Three stressors, three neurotoxic stressors could be an emotional stressor, but when three storms come together, a catastrophic storm occurs. And that's what happens when people all of a sudden the bottom falls out. And that's what happened to me. After I got two fillings removed, that was it. You know, I just went overboard, but I didn't know. I, I never correlated it back to that until four years later, you know, that it was when I drill, they drilled out those two fillings. I still had probably six in my mouth, but that just set my bucket overflowing and triggered my perfect storm. But, you know, it was that that made me realize that, okay, this stuff's in my brain. Ironically, when I realized that my thyroid and my adrenal trying to fix that, was too far downstream. I realized the pituitary, which sits in the center of your brain, uh, hypothalamus, that's kind of your control center of all your hormones. I knew it wasn't right, but everything I tried there wasn't working either. So there was something still upstream. And as it turned out, it was this mercury that just accumulated in my brain. And I worked with a very bright endocrinologist at one point when he said, Dan, I think you have mercury poisoning. And I was like, I thought so too because I found Mad Hatter's disease online, which is people making felt hats for using mercury, but that was an acute exposure. So I did a blood test like them, and it was normal. Uh, not to realize that it wouldn't show up if it was in my brain. So anyways, the bottom line is, is that that set me on the path of researching how to get it out of my brain, and set me on the path of really, I mean, everything I teach today came out of that. Um, so there's the pain, the purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and we're so grateful you went through that pain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not literally, but I mean, the reality, this is, this is your blessing that, that you give, right? And, you know, there's been a number of patients that, that when they hear your story, they ask me, but, but like, how did he cope with that stress? How did he cope with the not sleeping? Like, how did he move through that? that mm. I mean, it's the day-to-day that just crushes somebody. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, I mean, I can celebrate it now, like you said, you know, and look back and say, okay, you know, God had purpose in it. And if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here, right? But going through it, I mean, even my wife, you know, she said, look, you know, she took the brunt of this. She had to take the kids out of the house just because I couldn't handle the noise of a crying child. You know, she said, you know, in her prayer time, you know, God put a word in her that not only is he going to get you well, but you're going to take a message to the world through this. I would anger me. I, I couldn't handle that thought because I couldn't even get myself well. I couldn't even deal to the question that people ask. I couldn't mm-hmm. deal with the nights of feeling dread and anxiety. I mean, I, I learned some tricks, you know, uh, along the way to help some of those symptoms, you know, but it was as I got the stuff out of my brain, I started to be able to cope. My adrenals did come back. My gut came back. I, all, you know, food avoidance, you know, running that game, I didn't have to play that game anymore. My gut started to heal once I took the upstream source away. You know, and I give that example of upstream. It's like, you're down here trying to fix your gut or whatever it is, your adrenals. And, you know, 20 miles upstream, there's a factory dumping mercury. And in my case, <laughs> you know, how are you going to get the fish to live? How are you going to get the ecosystem to be right downstream in the river? You're not until you stop that. And that's, you know, what, you know, my mercury in my brain was that upstream source. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and part of that for you too, David, I, I'm, I know you're going to want to jump in here in a sec, um, but part of that too, which you, you share your stories, is the galvanic reaction between the two different metals, which mm-hmm. most people don't realize that they've got in their mouth. Can you speak to that a little bit as well? Yeah, you know, it, maybe you have a bridge, right? And you kind of see that little area of metal up around that bridge. You know, it looks like a white tooth over it, but underneath it, there's a, a metal um, part to it of some sort. Um, that metal with a silver filling is two opposing metals, which that's what a battery is. So Mm -hmm. galvanism, if you just spoke to, is two opposing metals in an acid, which is your mouth is an acid, saliva. So it's a battery. So we know now that we should never have two opposing metals in the mouth. So that could be a a filling, it could be a bridge, it could be a titanium implant. When you have two different metals like that, number one, there's a current that your brain feels. When I got that lifted out of my mouth, it was like there was a level of anxiety that immediately changed because that battery effect, that charge was out of my brain. However, what is also shown in studies is the mercury in that silver filling starts to leach out 10 times faster than it normally was anyway. Those fillings leach the life of the filling. It will leach mercury vapor, which goes into your brain. So that it was occurring faster, plus the galvanism, it was a recipe for disaster. Hmm. Well, and I want to back up real quick, Dan, because, you know, you talk about taking four years to kind of get to the root of, oh, it's mercury, right? And you're like, I need to figure this out. But I have heard you tell stories about once you knew you had to get this stuff out, there was another piece of the journey there to effectively get it out of the brain. And you tried different things, right? Yeah, well, like most, you know, you read things like, oh, cilantro, right? It, it pulls... Uh, mercury out of the brain oh boy you know it was that was two weeks of hell after i did i juiced some cilantro my wife thought this might be it Uh, she might have to you know literally i'm not being facetious here she might have to check me into an insane asylum i mean that's how bad it got i used corella i used those weak binders and most of which were making me worse and so many people out there they read online you have to understand that when you deal in the world of detox online, you, you might as well just put a noose around your neck. All the information is horrific, contrary, tr- contradicting each other. You end up just finding this weak binder product. Oh, the metal magnet, the metal detox. Look, most of these herbals and different things, they have what was called a weak bond or a weak binder. So there might be just one sulfur group, which is very weak. So it might grab it and then it lets it go. So what it creates is a redistribution throughout the body. It ends up in your brain. So that's what a lot of these chelators, binders, products have in them is these very weak binders. So one of my rules of real detox is you have to use real binders. And then there's another aspect of that because something like DMPS or DMSA that people, their doctor will give them, um, they, those are real binders. But the problem is there is they're misused, meaning that they're not given in their half-life. So you do a big dose of it IV it goes away very quickly within eight, 10, 12 hours. But then the problem is, is now you've set up the body releasing metals and then it just redistributes. That almost killed me too, by the way. So you have to use real chelators and binders. You have to use them respectfully in their half-life. And, and that's part of what we teach, right? You know, you have mm. to take some of these things every four hours, every eight hours, something like cited detox three times a day, just to keep the level up in your blood. So you, to prevent this redistribution. 
Well, Dan, can you speak a little bit to the five R's that you teach and how important that is as part of this process to effectively get your body to dump this stuff out? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that um, you've heard me say, and again, it's uh, some of it out of the frustration of what's on, you know, on the uh, Dr. Google, is real detox has to be at the cell, right? When you go into Whole Foods and those places, um, you know, they're all poopers, right? You get on these things and you poop more and you go, that I feel better, right? You, the juice cleanse, this cleanse, that cleanse. And, you know, none of it is high enough upstream to where the problem is, right? That's the cell. When you evaluate someone not feeling well, the problem is, is their, their cells not doing what it should do day in, day out, and that's get rid of toxins. Yes, toxins that we accumulate through our diet, air, whatever it is, but also when your cell makes energy that you need to feel good, it makes a toxin. It's like burning wood, right? If, if you don't do that in your fireplace and open the, the damper, that's that uh, exhaust you know, from the smoke off the wood comes in the house, you and your family will die, not from the flames, but the smoke. When you make energy in your cell, you make a smoke, right? It's a byproduct of making energy. And the cell has to get rid of that day in, day out. Okay, so there's pathways that are very important for cell function and detoxing the cell. The five R's is a roadmap that I've been teaching for years on what to do to fix that and upregulate these cell functions. So very quickly, it's R1 is you have to remove the source, right? If I didn't get rid of these fillings correctly, I, you know, I would have never got my life back. It's still going in my, my brain, the mercury. If you live in a moldy home, good luck, right? If you have hidden infections in your jaw, which that's a whole other subject, you won't get well. These are finding out what is upstream, R1. R2 is regenerating the cell membrane, critical. You can't detox a cell or even fix your hormones, whatever it is, without regenerating the membrane. So as you know, we, we study this stuff. We teach classes on it. How many people know this? How many people know that the core, the key to detox is that membrane? Very, very few. And then R3 is you have to restore the cell energy. Look, every detox function of the cell needs enough ATP energy. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. I don't care how many poopers you do. <laughs> I don't care how many shots of glutathione you do. You need that cell energy. There's something called the Gibbs free energy equation which means as energy drops in the cell, which is toxic people, something called glutathione drops in the cell, which you need for the cell to get rid of toxins, and inflammation increases. So if we, we upregulate the, the, uh, the energy, we can upregulate the glutathione, we can downregulate inflammation, which brings me to R4 is reducing inflammation, which a lot of our fasting strategies, diet strategies are, are part of that picture. And then the last R is R5, reestablishing something called methylation. A huge topic, just know this. It parallels the ability for the cell to detox. If it's down, you can't detox. So that is how, that's where real detox is. That's what I want your listeners and viewers to understand. You know, that's how you fix your hormones. That's how you get your brain working. It's how you get your energy back. You know, and that roadmap gives us practitioners, this is what we need to fix. Mm -hmm. And I just would like to add to what Dan's saying there, you know, my personal experience with my wife and her autoimmune battle, this was something we struggled with before we met Dan. We, we knew that detox was important for her and we had run her through all these different types of detox uh, that we saw out on the market and things that we had read and even some other doctors were teaching and they just were unsuccessful. 
And it was crazy, Dan. When I first came across your stuff, the first thing that I noticed about it was the five R's. And it just made sense. It, it made complete sense to me. And I knew, okay, this guy's onto something. And then I read your story. And I mean, it just goes to show when you have to live through this stuff and, and like your journey, I mean, what was, how long was your journey before you actually got well total? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was 1999, 2000 is when I realized something's wrong, right? The bottom fell out, especially in 2000, uh, 2001, two, three, gosh, I was too sick to function and barely uh, really wasn't even working. Um, and by 2004, I, I had figured out it was mercury in the brain and maybe even early, late 2003, I figured that out. I, I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel by the end of 2004, 2005. I thought I was healed, um, <laughs> sleeping through the nights, had all my energy back. Looking back, you know, I was like every year I got better and better. I was like, gosh, I thought I was healed. 2006, I looked back and was like, gosh, I'm so much healthier even now. You know, so that, that journey was quite the journey, you know, and I, I mean, everything that I teach in my you know, what we call multi-therapeutic approach. Um, really, it was in that journey. Well, what I want our listeners to get is it is a journey. It was no different for Clarissa, my wife. You know, she went through her own journey with her health. But yeah, I mean, it, it took time. It took time. It took finding the right pieces. And yeah. and, and and brother, TCD played a, a massive role in that. So I can't thank you enough. You know what, Dr. David? It, it's like, that's one of my pet peeves too, is people go, oh, I did heavy metal detox. For how long? A month, three months, six months, whatever it is. It's years, not months. That stuff bioaccumulated in my brain in utero. When you look at studies, right, and you heard him talk about the draft study, the number of fillings in mom's mouth is proportional to how much on autopsy. It's very accurate. How much mercury they find in the baby's brain, right? And that's the reality is we start building it through that year. So to think it's going to need to come out in six months is absurd. I pulled mercury out of my brain consistently for four years. So what I always tell you, you know, you doctors is, look, it's our job to empower the people, to educate them in this process, right? I mean, that's what is not happening. Doctors want to treat you. You don't need more treatments. You need to learn this process. If you learn the process, you're going to do it long enough to matter, right? So when you all work with someone, your goal is to teach them the process, there's the value. That's the big value. That's what changed my life because I knew how to do it and how to continue to do it long enough to make a lasting difference. People go, oh, I did that. It helped me a little bit. To what degree? How long did it last? You know, when you remove the upstream sources, you get to the cellular level and you do it long enough. That's how a life transforms. The only way that's going to happen is if we educate the person on that process, right? We can, have, we can educate them on everything that we know that changed your lives, my life. And that's our job, I believe, is to educate the person exactly what we know. How many doctors are doing that? I'm telling you, I don't know another group beside ours that is actually, that is the goal. You empower the, doctors don't want to empower the person. They don't want to be questioned. But I, I think of it the complete opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's part of the genius of, and just the, the heart of you, Dan. And that's what drew Sonia and I to, to, um, to you at the workshop, the, the first one that we went a number of years ago. And it was just, it was the reality and the, the level of compassion that you have, that you had for your own healing and how you were held by your family and how you deliver that message to the people that you worked with. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, what are some of the, uh, the cases that you worked with uh, over the years where, um, where, 
like what was it what's a common turning point for people when they start to see things change like maybe that's symptoms start to move um, but you know, a lot of people really struggle with that idea that they have to keep up these practices for a long enough time and those who are sick yeah. enough obviously know but if you could speak to that a little bit yeah, look, I mean, once you do it, you know, we don't detox always. We're on and off cycles, right? So, you know, I mean, I still do brain phases, right? I mean, just periodically I do a brain phase because we're still constantly surrounded by these types of neurotoxins that take our well, – look, yeah, if you want to be motivated, look at the, the statistics on Alzheimer's right now. I mean, it's like if you think it's not going to be you, oh, man, you know, it's like think again. Uh, I mean, you add heart disease to that. I mean, come on. You know, we better be doing something uh, to avoid cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, you know, and, and removing these upstream sources, the number one thing you do. That's what motivates me to still do it. But the, the, to your question, you know, look, it was six months into the brain phase that I realized, okay, this is, you know, my life's coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, I slept through the night. I actually have energy today. Now, of course, I'd overdo it, right? I'd go out and try to clean the yard just because I missed it. Then I'd be crushed, you know, but, but, you know, it was as the mercury started coming out of my brain, you know, and it takes us sometimes three, four months to get someone into a brain phase. But once you're there, you start moving that stuff, not just out of the brain, but out of the deep tissue, out of the nerves. Every nerve is surrounded by a layer of fat, like a wire coating on a wire, right? That protects the wire. That, sheath is called a myelin sheath but the point is it's fatty and toxins get into that and whatever's at the end of that nerve is disrupted so it takes a long time to get those toxins out of those nerves and the brain and the liver i mean every tissue get the cells working learn the process and you'll save your life and your families Yeah, and that I mean that point is so important for people to understand that this is a journey. And there's little there's little highlights like you had little highlights along the way where you oh, yeah. go do do a little bit of extra yard work and then you get slammed again. And this is something that, that Dave and I talk often about too, just in regards to exercise. I mean, if we're not giving ourselves time to recover, we we push, we learn adaptation, we create that variability, but then we need to recover. Can you speak a little bit about the importance of bringing some of those tools of adaptation in and then, and why that recovery, uh, that time for recovery is just so needed. You know, one of the things that I I teach is when we look at, I'm going to answer that question. Don't let me not. (laughs) Did I just hit my thing? Sorry about that. I my own thing. There we go. Uh, I just want to show this and then that this will be in context of to your question. If I can draw this without losing it. Okay. You know, I draw terrible stools, but, the analogy of a three-legged stool is pretty easy for people to understand. All three legs have to be there. Otherwise, this stool's falling over, right? All, when we look at how people get sick today, we have three things that have to be in place, and then the bottom falls out, right? Uh, it, and most people deal with this at some point. We know that D, genes play a role in illness. But uh, was, what was it? Um, the Time magazine, your DNA is not your destiny, meaning most of the genes get triggered turned on we'll talk about that because that's what happens to a thyroid person an autoimmune like your wife right david you know uh, maybe a gut issue Uh, it could be diabetes these genes of susceptibility get triggered so we know that's an aspect here's the missing science that people ignore is that they can be turned off right i mean we know a lot of those five r's that we discussed in the beginning is the magic of turning off these genes that get triggered so you won't get rid of your thyroid weight loss resistance that's a gene that can be triggered on. 
we got to turn them off. But here's the problem. If this leg, we'll call it stressors. So physical, chemical, or emotional stressors will turn on that gene. So look at pregnancy. You have a physical stress. You have an emotional stress, potentially, hopefully not. Um, and you have potential chemical effect, uh, effect, meaning that during pregnancy, it's normal to lose bone. One of the chemical toxins we know is lead that pours out of bone during pregnancy. We, all, we, we see oftentimes autoimmune triggered after pregnancy. So pregnancy became a stressor, to your point, that you didn't adapt to, that you should have, and that it triggers the gene. So how do we turn off the gene? Yeah, we have strategies there, but we have to remove the stressors. And a lot of them are neurotoxic in nature. So unless we go to the cellular level and remove them, we can't turn off the gene, right? So that was my mercury. My genes that got triggered were not, my high blood pressure was not going to be turned off until I got rid of the mercury that was upstream. And then I learned the things that actually have the ability to turn off the gene. The last leg that most people are very in tune to today is the gut. So your gut, the microbiome, right? All these bacteria that we realize are, you know, have a massive effect on your immune system for good, for bad. How your brain works for good, for bad. This communication between this brain and they call this the second brain. Well, look, today this is under attack from chemicals as well, right? And, and other issues. But we have to fix this in order to turn the genes off too, because these bacteria communicate with your genes, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is this is how we get sick. You know, a bad gut, bad microbiome, certain stressors that build up and we don't adapt to, to your point, and then a gene that gets triggered. But here lies the solution, right? The, if you thought about the five R's we discussed applies here. The cellular detox, removing these stressors applies here. And now this one is another unique conversation. Fasting in certain strategies is really how we fix the gut. You don't fix a gut by, I wish it were so simple, as you all know this, giving somebody probiotics. So we don't work with bacteria and give people bacteria. We have strategies for that. However, if that's all we did, forget it. We're done. We need fasts, which create a stress, Dr. Nick, to your point. A fast is a stress that your body has to adapt to. And when it adapts, it becomes better and stronger. And your microbiome becomes more diverse and more strong. And therefore, it works in that synergy of the detox and everything. So, I mean, there's a whole conversation here. I love it. No one, no one explains this better than you, Dan. And this is, why, this is why we wanted to get you on the call, because people need to understand the simplicity of this. Though that it can be complicated, there's, there's definitely protocols and whatnot to follow. But when people really understand their why why they got sick you know we talk about this with with you and our own coaching group just your someone's health timeline like what are all the mechanisms that led you to where you are today because there's people that aren't focused in my opinion enough on prevention and what could be what's the possibility like what are, we're, we're we're in a hedonistic mindset of just you know we'll just deal with it when it comes but when you look back and look at the stuff that you're sharing, it starts to put a little bit more responsibility on an individual to take action now because no one wants to go what you went through for five years plus. And, you know, and the same for, for you know, Clarissa, what, what she's been going through. And, and so many people are stuck in this reality where if only they took action earlier on, they could have done so much better for themselves. 
So true. We're set up for the fall today with what we're exposed to. Right. And, you know, it's I think it's sad that there's a political drive for cleaning up the earth. And I'm, I'm all for cleaning up the earth. Don't get me wrong here. But what we are not understanding is that the generation, our children, is being decimated. And there's an epidemic of autoimmune and cancer and just unexplainable illnesses on the way. And I believe we have part of this answer. I would never say we have all the answers, as I always say, but I know we have something that the world needs and is desperately going to need when this smacks people in the face of what has happened. You know, there's not a political strategy to fix uh, the, the healthcare crisis um, because so many people will be sick, right? And we're worried about the planet right now. You know, yes, let's clean up the planet, but we need to be worried about our children because the amount of toxins that are going in them between vaccinations and glyphosate, and our, you know, that's what's killing us. Glyphosate opens up the brain, opens up our gut. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's what we need to be concerned about. That should be the political drive, but nobody's talking about it. Nobody. You know, it's just not in vogue, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not saying stop trying to clean up the planet. It's part of the answer for sick people, but I want the focus to be people, our children's health, right? I mean, that's not the focus. It's just being brushed under the rug. You know, when you look at how many vaccines we're stacking up into our kids, it scares the hell out of me. It does. You know, and the fact that Stephanie set up in a 2012 study showed that this glyphosate chemical that's unavoidable, especially in our kids' diets, right, opens up the blood-brain barrier and the gut barrier and allows their, the already exposed heavy metals and toxins to leach in deeper into the brain. No wonder by 2032, one out of two kids is estimated to be on the autism spectrum. Does that scare anybody? It scares the heck out of me. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable what we're up against, you know, and it's this neurotoxic insult in this perfect storm of glyphosate and what we're dealing with, you know, so, you know, people, we need to take action. You know, we need to bring this message to as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. Well, and people need to wake up, you know, I'm constantly educating people in my community of these people that you guys trust that make your food, right. And all these other things, they're not looking out for our well being. And it's almost like you start educating them on some of these things and they're just looking at you like, well, that couldn't be like these people are supposed to be testing stuff and they're supposed to be safe. And, and they already checked all that stuff out. And I tell them, no, they didn't. Half the time they didn't do studies. They didn't, we're the guinea pigs half the time. And, and that's just, I think, really disheartening for people to, to understand. And sometimes they don't want to accept it to some degree. Yeah, oh, man, you know, it's so hard, right, David? You know, it's like, you're right. We don't, we don't have time to look into the safety of a vaccination as a parent oftentimes, right? So we, we trust our doctor, and yet our doctor's never read the studies either. Oh, and by the way, even if he did, we talked about this on one of our training calls this morning. You know, did he look into the methodology of the study where he realized the placebo for the Gardasil vaccine is one example, was another vaccine that causes damage, and all you have to do is beat the placebo to claim a success in the study? Right? Did they, they, you know, who looks deep enough into what was the placebo? You know, no doctor has time for that, right? I mean, it's like, so, you know, that's the problem is we just listen to our government protective bodies and we trust. And, and it's no criticism. It's no criticism because you don't have time or the education or the knowledge to dig into a study and go, wait a minute, they're not telling me the truth. You know, but my only message to people is I'm not telling you to vaccinate or not vaccinate. 
I'm telling you to at least do enough homework that you make a darn educated decision. It's that important today. Okay, that's on that subject. And I could, I could bring this into the diet subject, right? You know, whereas people, David just are taught, okay, low fat diet, it sticks in government. Low fat diets work, calorie counting works, and it just doesn't go away when this has been disproven for, you know, science for so long. But yet, if you turn on the television this morning, I promise you there was a morning show that was a recipe with low fat and low calories. I promise you, because these things get into our education and they don't let go, right? You're, I'm telling you, I, I, I teach my kid this. Kids, if everybody's making a right, question it, because the answer just may be left right? It's like, so if the herds going that way, go, wait a minute, they could be just going off a cliff, right? I mean, on these areas of health, there's no more better advice. I, I call it the 180 degree, my 180 degree philosophy is this. You take opposite, especially regarding health, what the media is telling you and teaching you, do the opposite. And somehow you hit it right every time. Because I don't know why that is, but it just seems like it's right all the time. And what do we have? We have Brian Peskin, right, out of uh, uh, MIT. Um, Professor Peskin came on our call today. Everyone's taking fish oils. They're educated that fish oils, everyone's taking fish oils, fish oils. And he says, look, how many people are reading the studies, right? This guy doesn't have an ax to grind, but he's saying fish oils are killing people. They're rancid. They're denaturing our fats and our cells. And, you know, it's like fish oils are like the worst idea. As a matter of fact, the last study, because now big pharma's into the fish oil industry. They did a study. Well, to make the study positive, the placebo group had to be mineral oil, which just drives inflammation like crazy. It's a poison. So the placebo Jeez. is mineral oil to make the fish oil look beneficial. Oh, man. But that's, to your point, like no one, especially the general consumer, is not looking into that. We're, we're yeah. all selectively waiting for, you know, the shoe to drop, and eventually the, the conversation changes. And, you know, this is part of our mission as all doctors sharing is that we, we got we to gotta put our best foot forward and educate wherever possible. And this isn't about, you know, if you're listening in and you're, you're starting to go like, there's a lot of fear mongering going on. There's a lot of, you know, this is, this is provoking. You may, and, and we hope it provokes you a little bit because we want provocation to turn into action and application for people. It doesn't have to be something that causes you to run and hide and go, well, that's not my belief system. I'm, I'm not going to follow through with that. I'm not going to listen. We're just asking all of you to just listen and tune into what, what is unique and possible for you because it starts with you. And I, and I kind of wanted to segue into that because there's, a ton of generalized philosophies about health. You know, it could be the, the paleo diet or the, you know, the keto diet. Everybody wants to jump onto the next thing. I mean, I think that there's a beautiful innovation in that because it drives momentum forward at least and it, it forces a conversation change. But I want to ask you, what's the hazard in looking at a generalization? It's, and it's probably to the point of the 180 degree solution as well, but we got to start looking at ourselves as individuals. We can't compare ourselves to the masses. Can you speak to that a little bit? Hmm. Well, look, I mean, we have to take individual responsibility, you know, to, to your point. All right. And um, I, I think when you look at, I, I love speaking to this topic. Right now, we have probably especially the viewers and listeners that are listening, right? We, we define ourselves in a camp, paleo, keto, vegan, vegetarian. And, you know, my argument is they're all right. 
and I know it sounds like a cop-out, weak answer, but trust me, it's not. When we study ancient cultures, uh, they not one stayed on one particular diet, not one. They were forced into changes, whether it was running out of food, food sources just changing for environmental reasons, environmental pressures, uh, all these things, uh, droughts, all of them, forced cultures to change foods and supplies. Seasons can change food, right? But yet today, we have the ability to walk to a refrigerator or Whole Foods and still get the same eight foods that most of us eat. In my book, uh, Beyond Fasting, I, I cite studies that show the worst thing we can do is eat the same diet again and again. So studies are now showing that, that we need variation in the diet. So yeah, when you went to your paleo diet, I'm sure you did feel better. Uh, but staying there, arguably, you would elevate a pathway called mTOR and you would age prematurely. Vegan, vegetarian. You know, I believe that you felt better when you switched over to that diet. But there is certain essential fatty acids um, that you're going to end up running into, even certain methyl uh, donors that you'll, have, you'll need. Certain things. Every diet too long on it will cause certain diseases. The magic is in the switch. Back to your question on adaptation, Nick, is that when we switch diets, one of the magics is, is that it forces our bodies to adapt. So our microbiome that is so integrated into our health, when we switch diets, it has to switch it up. All of a sudden now, it, it's going, okay, it's fats and less of fiber, so now these guys, these bacteria start to do better. These bacteria take a back seat. What we know now is it creates diversity. When, when you look at all the more modern testing where we're going to test the bacteria in the gut, there's one thing that holds up that we get healthy people, like when you look at their general well-being, they have a diversity of these bacteria. Unhealthy people, very narrow scope. That, that really predicts their health more than, oh, they have this bad bacteria, they have this good bacteria. No, no, it's the diversity. How do we create it? We're not gonna create it by taking 11 bacteria in a pill because there's, we've discovered over 4,000 of these bacteria in the gut. I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands we haven't discovered. The point is, is how do we create this diversity of health? Stress it. We have to stress the microbiome. How do we do that? Well, change your diet. The moment you change your diet, you add stress to the microbiome. And every time it has, it's like, so you're exercising your gut bacteria when you change your diet. Matter of fact, great example is if you keep the same exercise, you guys talk about exercise on the show, right? So if you keep the same exercise going, first of all, when you start exercise, just like the new diet change, you have a result. You feel better. This is great. And then you stay on that same exercise. Not only do you plateau, but studies show you actually start losing. You're exercising. You're actually losing results. Okay, so what do you do? You change your routine. You create. Now the body has to adapt again. And how does it adapt? Hormone optimization, it changes all these things to make you better, right? Same with diet. So it is this adaptation forced in feasting, famine, dietary change is how you create a better microbiome and all around health. I'm hot. I got my heater on. <laughs> got me all heated up. I'm dying. I'm going to open my window. All right. That's... That's well said, Dan. You know, I, that's one thing that I that I I, lear, I love that I learned from you because you simplify just the way that you present the material to people. And and when you simplify something, as far as look, you have to put your body under stress and yeah. create adaption for healing. Your body is built to adapt, and if you're plateauing too long, that's going to affect your health. 
And what people don't realize is not all stress is bad. That's a you stress. That's good stress. But can you speak a little bit to when you shift gears, a lot of people don't feel good at first, right? Mm -hmm. They may change their diet or they're going on a fasting protocol, right? Or let's say they're even doing detox and things are shifting. There's going to be periods of like, I don't feel so good when you're feeling it at the beginning, but then you come out of it and the body shifts through that adaption. And that's what you're looking for on the other side. But a lot of people give up maybe just a week or two in there, like, oh, well, I felt worse. I didn't feel better, so I stopped. Great point. So let's say you go from um, a more plant-based diet to a keto diet where it's really high fat. The problem is, is that you have certain microbiome that are not enough to make certain enzymes that you need to break down fat. So now you're eating all this fat going, oh, I just feel horrible on this diet. Well, you just didn't give, to your point, David, you didn't give your body enough chance to adjust the microbiome that is now communicating with your cells to produce more enzyme to digest fat. Eventually, that takes place. Also, your cells have to shift from using sugar as a major energy source because your, your cells can only use two things for energy, sugar or fat. So when you're eating a plant-based diet, most of it is using the carbohydrates for energy, which is fine. But then it has to make that shift over to majority use of fat. It takes about two weeks to make that shift. So when you're still trying to burn sugar as your energy source and you, you're lowered your carbohydrates drastically in a keto diet, you're not going to feel well for a period of time, right? Or likewise, let's say you go from this high fat diet into a plant-based diet. You need the microbiome shift to occur to get those enzymes going to break down all this new fiber that you're eating. But the stress, if you let it go, Keep going in your exercise program. I know you're sore. I know that you don't, you know, you're tired at the day because you're exercising. You're going to bed at nine o'clock now. <laughs> Give it time and you'll adapt and become stronger and better. So no different from exercise to diet. Give it time, David. Good point. Such an important message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> basically everyone, what we're talking about here is, uh, is what Dan and many others have coined. It's called a multi-therapeutic approach. It's addressing uh, the root cause of illness, and it's, and it's providing stressors and changes in one's diet, supplementation, exercise regimen. This is, there's a whole process here. And this is the journey that everybody we feel needs to go on because it's, it's part of just offloading. We talk about chinks in the armor. David, you mentioned this all the time. That you know, over time, we just bioaccumulate these different uh, things that are, that are affecting our health, our immune system, et cetera. But if we just approach things from that one diet point of view, which it's going to fail eventually. If you approach things from that one supplement point of view, the probiotic that never ends, it's going to fail at some point. So it, let's bring this back around to like the, the multi-therapy approach. What are some other tools that we can utilize to help support this process? And I think we've done a good job of explaining variation, why that's so important. But you know, what are some other ways that people can, can utilize this, this type yeah. of therapy? And detox is obviously a, one of those cornerstones. Yeah, no doubt. And in this multi-therapeutic approach, you know, detox being part of it. But when we look at one of the most powerful things you can do that costs you nothing is fasting. By adding just even one five-day fast in. Now, that could be just water. But if it's your first fast, do what we call partial fast, where you are eating, but we're just lowering your protein, your your carbs, and your calories down below 800 calories a day. Very limited. But 
when you look at studies, this is a stress that you're adding that we know decreases drastically your risk of cancer. And that's according to one of the top cancer researchers, Thomas Safry, right? So we know that it gets rid of cells that are causing inflammation in your body and just make you feel horrible. During a fast, and again, I believe that we are programmed genetically to fast. And when we're not fast, when we don't fast, you're, again, ancient cultures, they were forced into times of famine or fasting. They were. And what happens is, is we reset our bad genes that we talked about, right? So those genes that get triggered because of all the stressors, emotional, chemical. Well, our body has a plan, fasting or famine, because it resets them. It's awesome. So when you put that in with the detox, you, you see the point. Okay, well, you know, that's one of the magics. Well, guess what? We talked about the microbiome, how important it is to have that healthy, microdiverse microbiome to have a normal immune system, have normal brain function. Well, guess what? You know, a fast resets those bacteria. It's a stress on them that makes them stronger and better. Bad cells don't adapt, right? It, it's just like anything else. You know, you, you stress it. What you're left with at the end of a fast is stronger, more adapted cells. There's uh, the 2016 Nobel Prize was won by a Japanese gentleman for the word autophagy. I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but autophagy means in a fasted state, the body will get rid of all of the bad cells that drive inflammation and all the problems you're dealing with. Okay, so as we age, we develop more of these cells. They're called senescent cells, right? We can measure them and go, this person feels like crap. <laughs> how do you know? Look how many senescent cells they have. These are cells that live too long, cause mischief, inflammation, dysfunction, all of it. Well, what do we do about this? Well, one of the things we can do is fast because it gets rid of the, it, your body's so smart that it, gets, it doesn't go after the healthy cells for energy because it needs energy to live in a fasted state, right? It takes these bad cells and crushes them and uses the energy, uses the proteins to heal and regenerate. And here's the best part of it all. It replaces them. It activates a stem cell, which creates a new cell, and it replaces that old damaged cell with a brand new cell that doesn't overreact, that doesn't cause mischief and inflammation. So we need this renewing. If you fast once a year, now I fast four times a year. You know, I take it to the extreme of anti-aging, but I've reversed my wife and I both, our cellular age, we have drastically. You know, so aging can be massively slowed. And more importantly, the diseases that go around, around aging, right? I don't want to live longer. I want to do it healthy, right? I mean, if you guaranteed me, you know, 80 years of zero problems, feeling like I feel now at 54, I'm in. <laughs> you know, but the point is, is I think we can do even better with uh, what's going on today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and you know, I want to highlight your book because some people, when they hear the word fasting, that, you know, the alarm bells go off. Uh, Dr. Dan Pompa wrote an amazing, so heavily researched, so thorough. If you're going to, if you're going to need, well, we all need to learn how to do this. You need a resource. So you yeah. need to Get onto Amazon, right, Dan? I think you can get, is that the, I mean, it's probably no, the best I, place to get. I purposely didn't put on Amazon yet because, okay. <laughs> um, well, there's a reason because if you, if you end up going to the publisher, blah, 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 but you can go right. to beyondfastingbook.com. Perfect. Um, and, and get the book.
Yeah. And, you know, as you believe, as we believe now through, through your teaching, through our own experiences, that um, this is something we all need. It costs you nothing. It's going to cost you the price of pick, picking up a book, following Dr. Dan's podcast, Sayuli and TV, TV, going back to some of our episodes where we've gone over it. But your book is amazing, Dan. I mean, it's, it's really a book that, that we all need on our bookshelf. And, and it's the, the information that's in there is, is going to be life-changing for people. Well, you know, it, it, to the point of the fast, you don't just run a marathon. You know, you, you train for it to get the best result. And the book takes, there's a seven-week program in the book that we teach as part of mm-hmm. what we do, right, is the multi-therapeutic approach um, of how to get work up to that fast and just kick butt and your life changes. You know, I mean, week one is becoming fat adapted. And then we take you through daily intermittent fasting. And then we take you to these diet variation strategies, these famine cycles, until you actually get to the fast. And you have your choice of what fast you want to do, what you're comfortable with. But uh, that program is uh, what we teach and do. And it's, it's amazing. I, matter of fact, even when I work with somebody, I make them read book just so they get more out of what I'm teaching and they understand it. Mm-hmm. Well, and Dan, I'm chomping at the bit, man, because you, you're a chiropractor and I know you, you know how important the nervous system is. So can you speak a little bit to that piece of the puzzle for people that maybe are looking for more healing and then how important the communication of the nervous system plays a role? Well, I'll speak to it a couple of different ways. It excites me so much. When we talk about stress or turning on a gene, it could be physical, chemical or emotional, physical subluxation that literally connects your brain, you know, or disconnects your brain to your body, to your gut, you know, to your liver, you know, these physical interferences, stressors, you know, you put that much static on the line, whatever's at the end of that nerve, I talked about the chemical component, right, is not going to heal, regenerate, you know, my, I, I, I became a chiropractor because of my fascination with innate intelligence, the body's ability to heal itself, you know, my father was a bricklayer, uh, he was not a, a, a doctor, but yet somehow he nailed it. Somehow he knew that the body heals and he respected it. I, you know, I was on an antibiotic one time in my life and it was, I chopped my finger off and I was on it for two days and he came over to me and check on me and he was like, what are these? Yeah, you don't need these anymore. <laughs> I would come in with gaping wounds. My father would like stitch me up. I mean, he was in World War II. So, you know, when you're in Foxhole for three weeks trapped, yeah, you, you, you learn how to take bullets out. But, um, you know, and he smashed his thumb, I'm sure, a lot of times brickling. But the point was is that he really was driven by the innate intelligence. He wasn't vaccinated as a kid, right? He they came from uh, Italy, the old, the old country. And so he just, that, that was, you know, indoctrinated in me. So when I studied fasting in the 90s, it was like, oh my gosh, I mean, all you're doing in a fast is allowing the intelligence to heal at a higher level. You know, when I, when a chiropractor, you know, I went there because I had neck pain because I was fractured my neck in wrestling, right? It's like, and I'm like, I don't go to doctors. That, that was the funny part of that story, right? Because my father taught me, right? You don't go there, right? So I was like, I don't go to doctors. So I walked around for years, like not being able to even turn my head. And, um, you know, finally he convinced me, my brother's different. He's a chiropractor. So I went and checked him out. And I sat in one of his education classes, right? I'm like, this I believe. <laughs> it's like, I am in. You know, that was before I ever even got adjusted. And then when I started getting adjusted, you know, my life transformed. And he kept saying, you're going to be a chiropractor. I had, I had this going on, that guy, I'm not going to be a chiropractor. Three years later, I became a chiropractor. Um, and, and it was the philosophy. 
that if we remove the interference, the body does the healing. And you know, uh, David, when I was sick, you know, my philosophy saved my life because most people where I was would have ended up on a list of medications. And, uh, and believe me, there was a time where I probably thought, you know, maybe I am crazy and should take a, a psychotropic drug. Um, I didn't, thank God, but it was my philosophy that kept me from that. I knew there was, and my wife, my wife, you know, hard in that philosophy. You were normal. There's something causing you not to heal, you know, and I just would not stop. I was relentless on figuring out what it was. You know, I, it was too complicated for me to just be missing a vitamin or, you know, I'd already changed my diet. I still wasn't. There was something, something that was there. And lo and behold, it was a stress on my nerve system, right? You know, just like a physical subluxation. The key, David, as we know, you, you remove the physical interferences so your brain can communicate with your body. That's the important of chiropractic adjustments, right? That has to be part of your protocol. You remove the chemical interference. And you know what? We all have trapped emotions. You know, I, I, I know you all are better than I am in some of the trapped emotion stuff. Nick, in our interview, I, you know, it was tremendous, you know. But, you know, again, that plays a role. If we remove the physical, chemical, and emotional stuff that's trapped in our cells, man, you have the ability. I think the body can heal from anything. I do. I really believe it. But you have to do it all, right? You can't leave subluxation there. Right? Not dealing with it and expect to get well. You can't leave a chemical like mercury in your brain and expect to get well. You know, if you examine your life and you remove these interferences, you can heal from anything. No gimmicks. Yeah, no gimmicks there. So well said, Dan. You know, you look at many people that see chiropractors for life, and the one thing they have in common, like you're saying, is this paradigm of understanding that our body has an innate intelligence to self-heal. And I feel like we've forgotten that to some degree yeah. in our country. And we think this is being replaced by a pill or, or some of these other type things when it's, it's been inside of us this whole time. And like you're saying, you've got to remove these interferences and get upstream. Otherwise the body cannot get there. Yeah. And, and you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's all on you as the individual, right? I mean, back to like Nixon, this responsibility that we have uh, of looking inwards and figuring out, okay, what am I doing and how did this happen down the road? This didn't happen overnight. David, I, I just, uh, I got an email from um, a client of mine um, who I educated in this process, right? And she was so sick, she was on death's door. I mean, she couldn't function. To the point where her whole family, I mean, just financial, just exhausting, every dollar they had. She had been everywhere. Her family spared no expense. I mean, you know, just finding it for her, I mean, borrowing, you name it, uh, you know, selling homes, everything they could do. And when she came to me, I was stunned because what she had after going to all of these experts out of the country, for goodness sake, you know, sakes, is a mouthful of hidden infections. No one even looked. Cavitations, root canals, breast implants, which contain hidden infections, mold, heavy metals. So what did I do? I said, look, it's like, I'm not even gonna take the case. Already, this is the problems I see, right? You've got mercury in your brain. You've got, you know, these sources, that are gonna, and there's going to have to be, uh, you know, some resources to get rid of them properly. And it was death or this, right? So they said, okay, well, her email today, right? It's like, she's got her life back. You know, she's functioning. She's able to go out. She's able to do things. She's able to exercise again. 
you know, and, and it's not because I'm so smart. No, I was the first guy to look upstream, David. That's it. It's like I was the first guy to have the guts to say, do you realize breast implants are driving half of your autoimmune and inflammation? You know, do you realize that, you know, you hidden infections where you got wisdom teeth removed is why, you know, your body's, you know, lymph system and you have all these problems. And I mean, it's unbelievable that no one looked, you know, and she removed them. And guess what? Her body healed, you know, her body healed. And you know what? It took about a year. I worked with her for a year. That's it. I say that's it because to me, the level of you know, devastation that she had in her body and tissues was unbelievable. For me, I can't believe the level of healing that she did in one year. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I, even when I read her emails now, I'm like, oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it just goes to show you how amazing our innate intelligence is, right? I mean, if you get out, if, if we just get out of the way and, and help our bodies return to that state, it does its magic. It really does. Absolutely. You know what? And everybody needs a coach. You know, I don't expect anyone listening or watching this, you know, to go from here, or I should say here to here, you know, you need someone to bring you there that's been there, right? And that, that's what you all are doing. You know, it's like, you know, you've been there. And the fact is, is you need a Sherpa. You need a Sherpa. You had said, you know, I, Nick, I think it was you. I, David may have been you, but, you know, about, um, people are doing what they're doing and they're not realizing what's coming. Mm -hmm. I haven't told this story in a while. Right. And I was sitting there one afternoon. It was a Saturday and, and my wife growing frustrated with me because I was locked into this Everest story, Mount Everest. When you climb Mount Everest and these climbers were going up and it was about their whole story. And when you hit about 26,000 feet, they call that the death zone from 26 up to 30,000. Okay, that death zone, trees don't grow. But here's the thing about the, the death zone is that you can only spend so much time there or you're dead. Okay, so, and here's the most amazing part about it. When you're in it, you don't know you're dying. So here these guys are. They, they hired Sherpas. These are the guys to, to tell them, you need to come back out of this zone or, you know, you're, you're not doing good. And of course, they're meant to listen to their guides, right? So these guys cross into this death zone. The summit looks so close, and yet they're dying, and their Sherpas are going, we've got, we got to turn around. And, and they're like, and they're, they're literally dragging, and they're saying slurred words. They're, kind of, they're back at base camp trying to talk to these guys, and they're like, they're like, what's your wife saying? They can't even come up with it, but yet they're going, I feel fine. I can make it. I feel fine. This is America right now. They're, you know, they're in a death zone unknowingly. These Sherpas literally are saying, you cannot go on, right? So the literally, the Sherpas had to let them go on till they got so weak. And this is America today. This is what we're waiting for, for people to get in such a disease state that literally we now have to throw them on our shoulder and take them down off the mountain. That's what these strong Sherpas did. They took these men, you know, after they literally were so weak, they couldn't give up, you know, give in anymore. And they dragged their asses off the mountain. One lost his nose, one lost his foot, toes, fingers, but they lived. They lived. But the fact was, is like most of America, most of the world, you're in a death zone and you don't know it until it's too late, right? Everybody needs a guide. Everybody needs a Sherpa and you'll make the summit, but you have to listen to your guide. You know, there's a lot of lessons around that. I, I get goosebumps when I even speak of it because I couldn't figure out that day why I was so 
like drawn into this thing. I, I don't even like climbing. I would never even think about climbing Mount Everest. I think it's a silly risk, okay? But, but I was locked into it. And I was on stage speaking one day and I was, the, the frustration of thinking that I'm not connecting this and people aren't getting it. I realized you're in a dead zone. Listen to me, you know, and then it came out. I spoke that story. That's an amazing story. It's like the delirium of being stuck exactly where you are chasing the, the, the diagnosis. I, I feel like part of this is like people want to grab onto that diagnosis and that's their summit. It's like, once I know what's wrong with me, I have, I've, I'm victorious. And then it's like, well, then what? Then what are you going to do? Then, when you, then you lose a nose. Then you lose, yeah, your, nose. lose you your fingers, right? Uh, you know, meaning then it's too late. You're losing body parts. It's such a perfect analogy. At that point, you know, body parts are gone. You know, it's like then, all right, maybe you'll get your life back. But now you're limping without feet, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're forever changed. And, that, and that, that directly translates to this medication, that surgery, this medication, that treatment, that th million or not millions, but maybe for some people, thousands of dollars over here, over there. I mean, you're coming back from that death, death zone completely dismantled, a fragment of who you used to be, a version wow. of yourself that you can't. And the delirium, I mean, I love that Like that's part of that story. You're so locked into that identity of crisis and chaos and needing an answer and it's not there it's not your answer is not in the death zone come back out of the death zone oh, now but you know what <laughs> honestly the reason people have to go up with a sherpa is because we're all just a little stupid i speak for human okay i'm not putting <laughs> fingers here i'm speaking for me too right meaning that we all need a guy we all need someone to say hey you're heading in the wrong direction or you're dying <laughs> do something different let me show you the way because listen they needed a guide even to get there Right? They needed people who've been there, you know, who function there. That's you two, right? We're all Sherpas, right? Yeah. And, and, and therefore, you know, you save lives every day. Every time someone sits before you and says, okay, Dr. David, Dr. Nick, show me the way. You know, whatever, the, the, the Mount Everest, the peak is their goal. You know, whether it's, you know, not having dementia like their mother, you know, spending time with their grandkids functionally, Whatever that peak is, you need a Sherpa. Dan, thank you so much, man. I mean, there, I think we're. I think this is it, man. That's the. That's. I don't think it's gonna get much better. You gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I'm coming out of my skin right now. That was the perfect way to wrap it all up, mm -hmm. buddy. Thank you so much for being a guide in my life. Yep. Um, I can't tell you how grateful and thankful I am. Thank you for your influence um, and your wisdom and everything you're doing, man. Again, many, many, many thanks. Yeah, appreciate you all too, and your journey with me in this. So thank you. Well, you're you're our Sherpa, so <laughs> that's part that's part of it. I mean, even as doctors, right? We had to find someone who could show us a way to help the people that come to see us, and you've done that tenfold. And, and, and grateful to still be on the journey with you. So thank and thank you so much for blessing us today with with your wisdom and your insight, your heart. Love it. Love the topics. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to The Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.